0: Most of our tools and applications deliver capabilities, but users and buyers are always hoping that what they're buying is knowledge. Knowledge of how to do the job, how to do the job faster or with fewer errors or with better outcomes. They think of us as the experts, not just in our tool, but in the thing our tool helps them do. And if we don't put the knowledge in, then our users have to figure it all out by themselves They have to become experts in our tools when they really just want to be experts in their jobs. Hi, this is Nels Davis, and you're listening to episode 129 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. Today's episode is about putting knowledge in your product. Now, you can find the notes for this episode at the Secrets of Product Management website at secretsofpm.com, and you can join the Secrets of Product Management community at secretsofpm.com community. This episode is brought to you by my product management grad school. This is a 90 day product management mastery program provided by me for individuals and teams. I'll work with you to build a clear roadmap for your product management career, develop your product sense and product thinking, grow your expertise and strategic leadership and develop persuasion and storytelling skills to enable you to lead through influence. If that sounds like something you need, check out pmgradschool.com to learn more. And now on with the episode i originally wrote the article this episode is based on in 2017 five years ago things have actually changed a lot since then but i'm still typing this in an application notion that wasn't available then but that still doesn't do enough in my opinion to provide knowledge on the other hand i think you can see the trends even if it's basic knowledge that everyone knows putting it in your product will make your product more valuable and of course the more knowledge you can embed, the better. And there's a ton of good examples of products that did this. Instagram, originally, with its filters, was the first photography application that didn't use dials and sliders to enable you to fix your picture. They just put in these filters that if you clicked on them, they created a pleasing outcome. That was game-changing. Now, every App of course does that now, but back when Instagram first came out, every other app was sliders and buttons. I always use LinkedIn as an example of this. You know, they they have when you set your profile up, they always have this guidance of you know the most successful pro- profiles have, you know, an about section or whatever it might be. Now I've my LinkedIn profile, I've set it up, had it set up for so long, I don't get those prompts anymore, but I'm sure they still have them. Uh, Other great examples from the old days, (laughs) when I was getting started in product management, the SAP reference model was an example of SAP was able to go into companies and say, hey, we want to be your back office, meaning we want to do your financials and your accounting and your manufacturing automation and stuff like that. And the reason you should trust us is that we have studied all these different companies, we know what the best practices are, and we will put the best practices into your implementation. Now, was that totally true? Not necessarily clear, but what did it help SAP dominate that market and crush a huge number of other competitors? Yes, it did. The iPhone's visual voicemail is another example of built-in knowledge. If you think about voicemail, and you may or may not remember these days of voicemail where you actually had to dial a special number, hit number keys to say whether you wanted to listen to your message or delete a message or rewind a message or forward the message or save it. And of course when you got the iPhone, visual voicemail was just built in. I'll say a little bit more about it in a minute. Uh, Slack has the Slack bot that helps you onboard. That was another kind of game-changing interaction at the time. and. You know, generally, any product that has a setup wizard or an onboarding process is doing something around knowledge. Now, some of those are very simple, and they're providing less knowledge than potentially they could. And some are fairly sophisticated and maybe even ask you questions about what you're trying to achieve and things like that. And you don't even actually have to build in the knowledge. You can create an email-based onboarding process if you have an app that you can't add knowledge to in that way. Um you can do it via an an email onboarding. Now, I also always like to talk about NetIQ, which is a company I worked for in the mid-2000s. NetIQ crushed its competition because in addition to providing the capabilities that our competitors provided, we provided out-of-the-box what we called knowledge scripts, which were knowledge about how to do the job that, that NetIQ was meant to do. It was a system management product, and every one of our customers knew how to do system management. They knew what needed to be monitored. In those days, it was disk space and memory usage and a few other things. But instead of making our customers write those scripts themselves and configure them, we had the scripts already built out of the box. Now, this seems really obvious, but it wasn't obvious to our competitors. And it was one of the factors that caused NetIQ to crush its competitors in the kinds of deals that we were in. It was quite amazing actually how impactful this was and it was re- really gave me the idea for thinking about knowledge in this way. Now, it's not an accident that all the examples I just gave are market leading or kind of paradigm changing. You know, Slack at this point may not be market leading but at the time it came out it certainly was. Instagram has totally changed. It still has filters, but it has lots of other things because all the other apps now have filters. But Instagram really changed the way people thought about what a photo app should do. You know, if you compare what they delivered in their product versus what their competitors delivered at the time, with rare exceptions, the competitors were offering the same capabilities, but not in the form of defaults or pre-made experience. So, again, Instagram... If you're delivering a photo app, it's obvious to include the capabilities of editing and adjusting the images. And most photo apps have that capability, but Instagram really one-upped its competitors by putting these well-designed default filters front and center. So users no longer had to learn how to adjust a photo to increase the drama or appeal. And I know that for me, whenever I tried to use one of those apps, I made the photo worse. Every single change I made made the photo worse. So I was really thrilled with Instagram because somebody who was an expert had come up with these filters, and every time I applied a filter, my photo got better. Now, it's interesting to look at how many people actually use those filters. It turns out not that many, but my guess is that the comfort that the filters provided to users was a big part of why Instagram was so successful. There were some other things that Instagram did as well, and that's actually... Very true of many of the examples I gave, that knowledge that they built in was not the only thing that differentiated them. It was just one of several things. Uh, I talked about the iPhone visual voicemail. I've said before that the iPhone's visual voicemail features one of my favorite examples of killer product management. You know, it, it seems kind of boring today, but you know, there's still Cisco internet phones on people's desks. And Cisco Internet phones do not have visual voicemail. And accessing voicemail on a Cisco Internet phone, which is like, an, it actually looks like a regular phone. It's got a keypad and a handset that you lift up. Accessing voicemail on those phones is really painful. Everybody hates it. Visual voicemail takes all that stuff that we used to have to do manually, like remembering which numbers to push to save or to delete or to listen to the message again. And it hides it all behind a sort of, an experience that's essentially knowledge full. Now, the iPhone was the first cell phone with this feature built into it, according to Wikipedia. The reason I love it as a product management example is also because I suspect that the amount of effort spent by lawyers working with at and to get at and to agree to give the access to at and voicemail at the time the iPhone was released was probably almost as much as the actual development effort of the visual voicemail capability itself. It was a big law issue, I'm pretty sure. So the good news for all of us product managers is that the bar is extremely low. It's it's not as low as it used to be, but it's still pretty low. Many of our competitors are not putting knowledge in their applications. Chances are you're not either, particularly if you're working on something like a big enterprise application, very likely that you have a lot of opportunity there. So a little bit of embedded knowledge can create a lot of differentiation. The other piece of good news is that defaults and knowledge provide differentiation in not just one way, but two ways. First, of course, they provide the knowledge. But almost as importantly, they make the customer feel like you care about them because you gave them knowledge. And if you have listened to any of my podcast episodes about persuasion, you know that making the customer or the prospect feel that you care about them is a great way to overcome objections and to move them along the sales process and, of course, to keep them happy as a customer once they become a customer. You know, you can ask how many Instagram photos use different filters on the default. Well, it's a small percentage, but the idea that those other filters are there is extremely comforting, and that's along the lines of the customer feeling like you care about them. So some of these ideas about putting knowledge in your product are inspired by the great Kathy Sierra. She has a wonderful talk from the 2014 Business of Software Conference that I recommend all the time to my product management friends, and I've mentioned it on the podcast. I'll put a link to that talk in the show notes for this episode, which are at secretsofpm.com 129. As I always say, I think it's one of the best hours you can spend in terms of learning product management to watch this video. The ideas in the talk will break your brain kind of in a good way. And I re-listen to it every year or so. And not only are the ideas good, but the metaphors and examples that she uses to make her points are fantastic. And I also use them constantly in my own thinking. She talks about learning to snowboard. She talks about buying a camera so you can become a great photographer or take great photographs. There's a great gulf, of course, in these situations between the promise of like shooshing down a snow-covered hill on your board and the actual first day you spend on the board, meaning mostly actually on your butt. The question of how do you get people past that first terrible day on the board is not that different from the question of how you get your users to keep using your product after their first confusing day when nothing made sense. And so I love that first day of snowboarding as a great metaphor for what our customers are likely to be experiencing on the first time they try to make use of our product. Now, if you take nothing else from this episode, definitely check out Kathy's talk. Again, the link will be in the show notes at secretsofpm.com slash 129. And here are three things you can start doing today to put more knowledge into your application so you're not just selling capabilities. First of all, and kind of obviously, find out how experts configure or interact with your product or maybe with other products like yours. Then create templates based on what the experts do. For example, if your product is a project management system, how do experts configure their projects? Create a project template based on their configuration. If your product is a collaboration tool, how do experts set up their groups and their notifications? Give your users the options to have their system set up with groups and notifications based on that model. And it doesn't just have to be one expert. Obviously, you might choose different experts to use as your model. One way to find experts is to find people that have written books about the domain of your product. So for example, find, if you have a project management tool, find people that have written books about project management and see how they recommend setting up a project and then see if you can emulate that in your product. And there you have it. You have expert knowledge now in your product based on what this person said in their book. Second, look for situations in your application where most users take the same steps in the same order most of the time. You can then make that set of steps the default and make it achievable in a single action. Now, you might wanna leave the other options available, but if most people are doing the same thing most of the time, make it very, very easy to do that thing. This is an example of kind of the wisdom of the crowd Not expert knowledge, but it's still knowledge. You know, you're finding out what it is that your users always do. Now, you might have even known this in advance. But, you know, you can certainly learn it from how customers use your product. You can have instrumentation in your product to figure that out. But the point is, don't make them make decisions that they don't need to make and that they're all just going to make the same decision anyway. Just make that all part of a single action. Now, the third thing you can do is you can also use your own insights into how the product should be used to get the most value. Now, this is especially valuable if your customers are not currently getting as much value as they could and you learn about that and you say, why are they using it that way? That's, the dumb, that's a dumb way to use it. So you want to give them the smart way to use it. Now, sometimes this is because the steps to achieve the value are complex or they're easy to forget or they're error prone Sometimes it's because you expect the user to do some work outside the application to achieve the benefit. A great example of this is retrospectives. All of us tool builders know that our customers will be more successful over time if they do retrospectives, just as we will be, right? If we do retrospectives as part of our development process and our process of building things, we are going to get a lot more effective. And there's actually very strong research data that says, how much more successful we and they will be. It's like a 25% bonus over teams that don't do retrospectives. However, there are very few project management or collaboration or development tools that actually directly support retrospectives. And you can imagine if you have a project management tool or development tool, even if you can't do it perfectly, if you put some amount of retrospective capability into your product and your competitors don't have it, at a minimum you have a good differentiator and ideally your customers will actually get the value of the capability in retrospectives in this example, and that will enable them to be their competitors. In other words, by putting retrospectives into your product, a retrospective support and knowledge about how to do good retrospectives and how to manage the outcomes of retrospectives over time, if you're doing project management tool, your customers are gonna get more successful faster, they're gonna have better outcomes, they're gonna beat their competitors, which means they're gonna grow and they're gonna buy more licenses, and it's a virtuous cycle. So, those are three things you can start doing, looking at what experts do, looking at what most of your customers do, making that the default, and of course, looking at what you know Your customers should be doing in your product that maybe they aren't doing, and building that in. So, I'd love to hear your stories of how you're putting knowledge into your application. You can leave a comment or drop me an email. You can leave comments on the show notes at secretsofpm.com/slash-one-twenty-nine. If you have other good examples of applications that include knowledge, I'd love to keep building my list. It's a little bit long in the tooth at the moment. I know there's a lot of other good apps that that do have knowledge built in and it's becoming more and more of a thing. I hope you found these ideas useful. I think there's always opportunities to put more knowledge in your software and your customers will love it and they will love you. And thanks to Product Management Grad School for sponsoring this episode. You can find more information at pmgradschool.com. Please check out the show notes at secretsofpm.com. Leave a comment or a like. That's always great. Don't forget the community at secretsofpm.com/community. And until next time, this is Nels Davis. Bye-bye.